0: And welcome to the MCU Lorecast. I'm Captain Shenko.
1: And I'm Psych88.
0: And for the third iteration, we are once again entering the wall crawling, web slinging, amazing world of Spider Man. But this time with a different Spidey. We're reintroducing our Tom Holland Spider Man from the end of the last film. Well, not the last film, the end of the Avengers.
1: Yeah, I I feel like we are finally bridging the gap that was between McGuire and Garfield in terms of both, of both sides of Spider Man, Parker and Spidey. Honestly, I love Tom Holland's Spidey, uh, uh, and his Parker immensely. So I I'm real excited to get into this. Uh, I'm sure a lot of listeners have been uh waiting on the edge of their seats for us to finally cover um the the movie that took probably the most amount of paperwork to ever happen.
0: Yeah, this, I'm sure this was a logistical nightmare for someone to figure out, but we're finally here and Spidey is back with the MCU for a couple of films. Well,
1: for now. <laughs> for Sony let, let him borrow it.
0: T- to be determined.
1: Yeah. So Genesis, if you could remind us all.
0: If you're looking for a spoiler-free zone, sorry, lovelies, you are
1: in the wrong place. Thank you, Jen. So, Shanko, where do we begin? But
0: in the past! <laughs> <laughs> it's not the so distant past this time, though, because our main guy is not so old. But following the Battle of New York in 2012, there's a salvage company. They're contacted to clean up the city after... All of the events of the first Avengers film, you know, the Chitari aliens coming out of the portal, mass destruction to the city, Ross's complaints about property damage, not mm-hmm. heard. Anyway.
1: <laughs> and then people in suits show up, which I'm, I'm not going to lie, like, 100%, I'm not even certain that Toomes and his guys should have been awarded a contract by the city to clean this up to begin with.
0: Yeah, that seems a little sketch.
1: Yeah, like the guys in suits should have been on top of this from the get-go cuz at the time shield is still standing shield should have been basically quarantining off new york city for 6 months
0: mm-hmm. and they've been on the scene really quick in prior films
1: yeah precisely and something we'll cover uh, when we do the shield uh seasons um you know you don't know what diseases or how alien tech works or or any of this stuff so it just shouldn't have been left to a group of guys w- with a couple of dump trucks and uh you know a large uh, excavator or anything like
0: this is not a civilian job
1: <laughs> like yeah the guys in suits they come over and they they screw tombs like there's just no getting around it but in all honesty i don't believe he ever should have been there to get put into that position But then we wouldn't have a movie.
0: We wouldn't have our leaping off point or the, I guess, the keystone moment for our eventual villain. Because in retaliation for getting shut down and losing everything, his contract, his money, he says, let's keep all this stuff that we've already picked up because we can sell it. We can use it for advanced weapons. And eventually he makes himself a vulture costume. (laughs) Yeah Cause that's what you do when you're the bad guy I
1: mean I don't know why It had that particular Predatory look other than I guess maybe that's just how the parts Fell into place and that's how it worked out But it's his aerial uh, Recovery Suit is what it is
0: The real reason is Falcon was already taken and (laughs) Hawk is from DC Fair (laughs) He said, "Let me just throw a dart at the wall of like a picture of a bunch of birds, and it landed on vulture." And he went, "Ah, oh, crap! All right, I guess that, I guess that's what I, <laughs> I guess that's what I'm done. I'm dealing with today." But to fast forward into the future,
1: what? no, it's the fast forward into yet another flashback.
0: Yeah, uh, Peter's making a little movie about <laughs> getting recruited by the Avengers. Goes back through. Germany, and then his studies at school, and Tony telling him that he's not ready to be an Avenger yet. Yeah. He thought getting in on all of the superhero action in Germany was enough to solidify his spot on the Avengers, but Tony tells him he needs to operate in the gray area. He needs to be a small-town hero for a little while longer before he's ready to full-time join the big leagues.
1: Yeah, which, again... Tony, you decided to bring a teenage boy to a superhero showdown in another country, and then you and then you pulled the rug out from under him and said, nah. "You're not ready yet." Like, come on! How wishy-washy do you have to be on this? Either he's on the team or he's not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But so, yeah, he kicks him back to the streets of New York City and. Pete's like, "Okay, fine. I can prove myself. I have Happy's number. I'm just going to work my butt off being the best Spidey I can be."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And cue montage of him being meh at the superhero, like the street level crime. He catches some people, he doesn't others. He makes a mess of things. We get our Stan Lee cameo very early in the movie here in comparison to his other movies. Mm-hmm. Um it's just and oh man the, the, like the screen of him talking to happy and how absolutely 100% one-sided that is was just depressing and it's like it shows both his optimism and his hope and also kind of how he doesn't get like buddy no one's taking you seriously you should just just stop
0: <laughs> I don't know it- His good buddy Ned was pretty supportive. Well, of
1: course Ned was, because as soon as he finds out, he's like, oh my god, please, I want in, because you don't know what you don't know you're missing out on until you're in the thick of it.
0: He needs this guy in a chair. I want to be the guy in the chair. (laughs) (laughs) So, during all of his crime-fighting activities, he comes across one of Toons' associates, the Shocker, and- Schultz selling weapons to someone who would be very familiar to anyone who has seen Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse or anyone that's a fan of of Miles Morales, Aaron Davis. It was cool to see this little character cameo lets us know that Miles is in universe somewhere.
1: Yeah, it was, it was put in so that they had a back, kind of a backup plan. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, like the terms of glover coming in to play davis were that if uh, like i believe the director or the producer one of them was like if you won't play it we're cutting it entirely like we're not going to do it Mm -hmm. unless you kind of because uh because glover has been a big like the lead on getting miles morales out there he was the first voice behind miles morales in um another cartoon and he's been like, he'd been severely pushing it. He, I think there was a petition to get him uh, as the lead for a Miles Morales movie way back in the day that, you know, didn't pan out mm-hmm. because, <laughs> because Hollywood, but whatever. So, yes, we have a back door in case, in case Disney has to do something with Peter Parker, Spider Man, and the Sony deal and all of that falls apart. Mm-hmm. They have established. Aaron Davis, and later he mentions a nephew mm-hmm. done we can we can hop from there if necessary
0: exactly they get they give themselves an out there and also a cool cameo for fans of the series. Uh, Peter ends up saving Davis and then gets caught by tombs and dropped in a lake because he gets tangled up in the parachute built into a suit because guess what he still doesn't know everything that is going on with his suit. And Tony has been using his suit to monitor Peter as Spider-Man and warns him against trying to further involve himself with those criminals. Uh, Toombs then kills Bryce and dubs Schultz the Shocker. (laughs) Probably (laughs) the the funniest little bit that ended up kind of being a throwaway, but you're the Shocker. Now you're the Shocker.
1: (laughs) I thought that was the anti-grab gun.
0: No, that one's over there. <laughs> so uh. Peter and Ned studied the weapon, removed the power core, and then because that
1: was smart.
0: Yeah, just totally mess with, with tech that you you found after breaking up a, a criminal weapon steal. Smart, but they find a tracking device. Uh, or sorry. A-tracking device on Schultz leads them to Maryland, where Parker ends up using the decathlon team kinda as a cover, but also to bail them out, because he's actually still one of the smartest kids at his high school, balancing school life with superhero life. Yep. So he accompanies them to DC for the tournament, and Ned and Peter start messing around with the Spidey suit, and unlock a bunch of new features.
1: Ned wanted to be the guy in the chair. This is what the guy in the chair does. He hacks into a highly uh, restricted experimental suit and manages to turn off all the safety features and the tracking device and all of that. <laughs> I, You know, the basics. How? I don't know. They are depicted as smart, but smart only gets you so far, I feel like. Especially when it comes to um, things like Computer programming, languaging, and hacking—it's not just a mash the buttons and oh hey the screen lights up green.
0: Yeah, but immediately Peter tries to stop uh, another weapons or like a another weapons bust, so he ends up trapped inside the truck containing the weapons and gets locked inside a vault and misses. The first leg of the decathlon.
1: He misses the whole damn thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, it sucks for him. He went there to help them out. Luckily, his friends are pretty smart and still clinch it, but without their buddy, Peter, because he was locked inside a building. Uh, Talking to his new AI assistant and trying to figure out everything that's going on inside the suit because he disabled the training wheels.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Congratulations on completing this rigorous and 186-course program. Now, would you like to initiate insta-kill mode? Ah,
0: No. no, Nope. Nope. So, eventually, he discovers that the power core that's been stolen is actually a very unstable grenade left behind from the Chitauri attack. And it happens to be in the Washington Monument. And his friends are there because plot
1: <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna lie this one felt like you're gonna go here because the director said you needed to go here direction and blocking and not so much a uh like like oh we won so we're gonna go to the top of the washington monument and oh yeah of course ned's kept the the bomb with him and oh look it's activated by radiation and it goes through the x-ray machine Oops. uh
0: well <laughs> And and it just, it's very contrived, because let me, let me be real, when you go on a school trip to Washington, D.C., they don't take you up the monument, they say, there's the Washington Monument, now get back on the bus. And they take you around to things that are easy to contain you at, like museums and parks where they can keep an eye on you. They're not sending you up an elevator with one chaperone that's a recipe for disaster when you're dealing with large groups of children. And even older teenagers, let's be real. These are still teenagers. They don't, they don't, The d- d- listen, it's, decision-making is not on their high list of priorities, Ned with a bomb.
1: No. I mean, we had, we had one chaperone. He's missing a student for the event that that student is supposed to be at. The whole thing should have been shut down. An Amber Alert should have been put out for Peter Parker almost immediately, like, there is nothing about Parker's absence from the the thing that should have been okay. And yet, oh, you just show back up after your classmates almost died and they get saved by Spider-Man. How convenient. Like I like this movie, but damn. Every once in a while, guys, come on. Like be less contrived, please. But
0: bomb goes boom, monument goes crash. Elevator goes down. Spider-Man jumps in to save the day because conveniently he is in Washington, D.C. despite nobody being able to- You're not supposed to know that he's Spider-Man, but he's not really doing a great job hiding that. You know, you've been missing all day and magically Spider-Man shows up to save the day. Uh (sighs) Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, he ends up saving his friends, including his little crush, Liz, and a couple days later, on the ferry in Staten Island, another... Another weapons deal. And unfortunately, in trying to intervene, Peter causes even more catastrophe. And he was convinced that Tony wasn't listening, but guess who shows up to clean up the mess? Mm Mm-hmm. Just Tony Stark. He was used to getting empty suits, but Tony's really here this time. And he's not here just to save the day after Peter totally wrecked the day. He sends Peter packing in less than fashionable fashion. He takes back the suit, and Peter is very, very naked on the Staten Island Ferry. Tony gets him a very oversized t-shirt to wear home, and Peter has to explain to Aunt May that he lost the Stark internship. Peter has to try to adjust to life, not being Spider-Man, and he returns to high school, and homecoming's coming up. And he's gonna ask his crush Liz, even though Liz doesn't know that he's Spider-Man. She still thinks he's cool, though, I guess. And she does say yes. So on the night of the dance, Peter goes to pick her up, or rather, be driven to prom. <laughs> and guess yeah, who... Yeah, homecoming. Yeah, or, Yeah, homecoming. Guess who loving dear old dad is to his good little crush Liz in more... Movie shenanigans. It's our <laughs> one and only bad guy, the Vulture, Toombs. Who, in
1: a single car ride, figures out that Pete is Spider-Man. Ta- it takes him ten minutes to do what basically none of Peter's classmates had been able to do basically all school year.
0: thought he was supposed to be in a school full of geniuses.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, uh, Toombs is planning his final heist. They're gonna hijack a DODC plane transporting weapons from Avengers Tower to the new HQ in uh, upstate New York. Peter leaves the dance, puts on the proto suit that Tony made fun of, and races off. Toombs told him he should just ignore what's going on and go to the dance with his daughter and forget what he's seen. But Spidey can't do. He's ambushed by Schultz, but defeats him with the help of his good friend Ned, his guy in the chair. And then he has his big showdown with Spider-Man and Tombs, destroying all sort They're just making chaos. This fight, big CGI fight, lots of explosions. I, I don't know what else I can say about it, really. It was a, it was a Spider-Man fight. It was a—it was an above-reality High flying, high action, high CGI Spider-Man fight. It was awesome. Go watch the film. Right. After the fighting ends, Peter spares Tombs' life. After the vulture suit explodes, he leaves Toombs for the police, along with all of the cargo that was stolen. And after he's arrested, Liz has to move away.
1: Yeah, like life goes really bad when you're parental figure is found out to be a supervillain. you you have to you have to leave there's no going around that
0: no and and geez that it's i mean that sucks it, your dad's you hadn't she had no idea either it's not like the family was in on no it. yeah he was playing the role of good dad who provides for his family while committing murder and major crimes on the side afterwards peter ends up making a decision that might shock people. Tony invites him after his valiant efforts against the Vulture to join the Avengers full-time, but Peter declines, and Tony tried to convince him that he lied about the crowd outside and all the press waiting to meet the newest Avenger, Spider-Man, and Happy's got an engagement ring on deck because they're gonna go with plan B because Peter wants to stay a friendly neighborhood, Spider-Man. So we get our our official Tony and Pepper are they're they're tying the knot and I'm happy for them.
1: Yeah, which I mean, if we're looking at the uh, relationship of Stark and Pepper, the last the time we left off with them was in Civil War, and they weren't together or uh, they were on a break. They like stuff had happened. It's a very unclear, but now here we are at Spider Man, and everything's fine, and we're going to get married.
0: I want to know what happened in the interim. <laughs>
1: yeah I would really like to know how we got from civil war to homecoming on that front just just a little bit a little bit extra to kind of fill in that gap would be like great
0: and then Aunt May finds out that the Stark internship is a little bit more than some funding for some science projects.
1: <laughs> the Stark internship was a
0: lie. <laughs> And then, of course, per Marvel usual, we've got a couple of end credits seen. In the mid-credits, we see an imprisoned Gargan approaching tombs in prison, and wonders if if tombs knows Spider-Man's real identity, and Tombs lies for Peter.
1: Yeah, I always wondered why. I I always really wanted to know why, and I felt like that should have built up into something which is what they were that's the whole point of this this stinger uh mid credit scene here is that it's supposed to start setting up the sinister six we've got we've got the vulture talking to the man who would become scorpion like th- this is finally coming together for one of the biggest villain team-ups in marvel's uh repertoire is the sinister six but tombs for whatever reason maybe he f- feels that he owes parker something his you know he's got some debt to pay him so by not routing out who spider-man is he is repaying that debt somehow
0: Mm -hmm. and our end end credit scene is a callback to the cringy gym video from earlier in the film of our guy cap (laughs) 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 i'm here with your friend with my friend the gym teacher yeah, we don't, we don't need no. to talk about that. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. I mean, it was a good first movie for our new Spider-Man. It was a great, great standalone film. It had some great action. The CGI is finally up to par with the modern day for the most part. I had very few complaints about it, really. Uh, I loved Michael Keaton as the vulture. I thought he did a fantastic job bringing a really creepy and and sinister vibe to the character for sure and like you said i really and thoroughly enjoyed tom holland's rendition of both peter parker and spider-man because where toby was a great dorky nerdy peter parker and uh, andrew garfield had a great quippy spidey i think our tom holland has blended both
1: yes yeah absolutely and keaton i felt like was just brilliant casting uh, Keaton is is very well versed with superhero theatrics, having been the first Batman on uh in in movies at least. And I think this was also this was just after Birdman, so like having him come in and play the Vulture was just great. And you know Keaton was the right age for uh, the um, hmm, out of his prime tombs as 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 it were. Because, you know, Toomes is not a young man. So Keaton's chops really showed here. So yeah, I, I it, it was a strong welcoming back for Spider-Man into the uh, Marvel home, basically.
0: Uh, I mean, with that, I mean, I, all I really have is mid-break.
1: <laughs> all right, welcome to the mid-break. We'd like to thank everyone that has stuck with us this long and being a part of the Patreon. uh, You too can join in on the fun by joining up via the link in the episode description.
0: And if you can't support us financially, you can always drop us a review on Apple or rating on Spotify. Any five-star reviews will get read out in this part of the show. We don't have one this week. Show us some love, guys. Drop some reviews. We really want to hear from you and get some feedback on what we're doing and what you want to hear
1: yes and if you want to chat with us directly you can always hit us up on twitter insta uh, the facebook and or the robots radio discord where we have a channel specifically for the show a link for the discord will also be in the show description Uh, speaking of shows on the robots tell us about the fight space
0: Absolutely. Well, if you're not tired of hearing from me yet, I also host a little show called The Fight Space, one of the only female-led martial arts shows where, where I discuss the deep roots of martial arts in modern media, cover historical super fights, break down fight scenes in film, and share news from the fighting community. I use my experience training in combat sports to give a unique perspective into the shrouded worlds of martial arts, and the people who call that space home. Where else can they find you, Psych?
1: Uh, you can find me on the Mass Effect Blue Shift tabletop RPG podcast that uses the fate system. Uh, we play Citadel security agents solving crime on the Citadel, and I play dashing human agent Jack uh, Lot, of, It's a lot of fun. Episodes drop monthly on the first Friday of the month. Um, and yeah, we've got a great ending to the bombing run case coming up here uh, at the beginning of July. So be on the lookout for that. Outside of the Robots Network, I have joined with Scyther Audio to create the Avengers audio drama, which is a spinoff of their fantastic X-Men audio drama series. Like, seriously, you guys, go listen to it. There's it, there's several seasons. All of it's fantastic. Um, this is a year-long project where because I'm writer, director, casting director, audio engineer, all in one, plus a voice actor, as I will be voicing the Hulk first episode goes live in September to go with the 60th anniversary of the first Avengers comic. Uh, if you have any more questions or you want to uh, audition uh, please email Avenger audio drama all one word at gmail.com and that is it for our midbreak okay so let's talk some characters. First, we have uh, Liz Toombs, which we're going to very liberally just call this Liz Allen from the comics because Vulture has children, but it's a son. Uh, He has a granddaughter we'll talk about in a minute, uh, but he doesn't have a daughter named Liz. Uh, But there is Liz Allen uh, introduced in an anonymous cameo in Amazing Fantasy number 15 in August 1962. She was named a year later in Amazing Spider-Man number four by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. After the characters graduated high school in Amazing Spider-Man number 28, which would have been September 1965, which tells you how long they were in high school. Uh, we don't see her again for over a decade. And uh, when she comes back, she's a stepsister to uh, Molten Man, um, real name uh, Mark Raxton. She goes on to become the wife of Harry Osborn and has a son with him, Normie. There's a lot of tragedy in Liz's life, uh, whereas, like right now, currently, she has become bonded to a an Carnage anti-venom symbiote hybrid, calling herself Misery, and she is also the CEO of Alchemax, which uh, several astute listeners will know that as a an important chemistry. Uh, facility company in the Marvel Universe, especially con- pertaining to uh, the future Spider-Man. Next, we have Aaron Davis, introduced in Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number 1 in November 2011 by Brian Michael Bendis and Sarah Pacelli. He is the uncle to Miles Morales, who does go on to become Spider-Man in that Ultimate Universe after Peter died again. <laughs> like... Unfortunately, Ultimates Peter could just not catch a break. He, he dies young. It's not he's not a uh, young adult or anything. I don't think he could drink by the time he died. So so yeah, it's Ultimates is kinda sad overall.
0: Yeah, we, we we only talk about the good things that came out of the Ultimates. Like Miles Morales.
1: Like Miles Morales. Um initially Aaron Davis here is a much like Uncle Ben. Um, Only he's a more exploitive, manipulative character, and he dies in a fight as the Prowler from the Ultimates. Um, He is later brought back to life after the timelines merged at the end of The Secret Wars, uh, which was the aftermath comic to the Age of Ultron. So here we are. We're starting to kind of come full circle to some of the things I've talked about beforehand. Otherwise, there's, I mean, there's not much to discuss on Aaron here. Uh, he's kind of a bad guy. He's, yeah, for a while he just served this, narratively, he served the same purpose as Uncle Ben, as the character who has to die so our hero rises to the occasion. They just did it in a kind of 180 way, whereas Uncle Ben is this great guy and noble and everything, Aaron Davis, he he's manipulative enough to have created this Great Uncle persona, but it's a persona, not not his true character.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Miles has to realize that his uncle's not who he says he is, and oh yeah, he's a supervillain on top of that. And you don't find any of that out until he's dead.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right. So next we have uh, Phineas Mason, aka the Tinkerer, introduced in Amazing Spider-Man number two in May 1963 by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Uh in the beginning he's a two bit campy villain. Uh he runs a you know 1960s radio shack basically as a front company to uh uh blackmail politicians by bugging their devices that they bring in and stuff. It's I mean it is low level stuff and he doesn't present much of a threat to Spidey. I would say he still doesn't present much of a threat. He has uh evolved the scheme as it were using his genius level intellect because if you are anybody in the marvel universe you have a genius level intellect at some point um and he he kind of becomes the go-to for tech super criminals like he he's a very good repairman he's on call for several of the big names um stuff like that and he's just kind of hopping about right now um I would really like to see what the MCU plans to do with the version they have introduced here. I liked the character they that they were making the yeah, the just the guy. He makes stuff. He's a he tinkers and does stuff. I would really like to see where they make him grow. Speaking of characters who really also still need just more time in the limelight here, Herman Schultz, aka Shocker. Introduced in Amazing Spider-Man number 46 in March 1967 by Stan Lee and John Romita Sr. He is the inventor of his suit and gauntlets while in prison, and Herman quickly rises through the ranks of New York's underbelly once he makes his big escape. Uh, Unlike our movie version, he has two vibroblasters, and they do a lot more than just punch stuff.
0: They really just they really just put a taser on crossbones' punching things and call them the shocker
1: yeah it it was it was a vastly turned down version, and I would really like to see something a little more kin to to the comic version, like yeah, it we could have gotten there, and unfortunately, I don't think we ever do um but anyway, uh currently. Uh, Shocker is on the Villains for Hire team, though he was also recently on Fisk's Thunderbolts as well. Alright, our big bad of the movie, Adrian Toombs, a.k.a. Vulture, introduced in Amazing Spider-Man number 2 19- May 1963 by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko as well. Uh, Toomes is the character that is always getting screwed over. Every iteration of Toombs, be it in the movies In the comics, uh, in the animated, different animated series, he's always, that is his origin, is the guy down on his luck and being taken advantage of by more successful businessmen or, or the system or whatever. And so naturally, he turns to crime to make it right.
0: Naturally. That, I mean, that's what
1: you do, right?
0: That's the, it's the, it's the, uh, the easiest supervillain origin story there is to write.
1: Yeah. It it yeah. So in the comics, he invented the f- flight harness that granted him his strength, his speed, and of course his flight abilities. There's also rumor it helped prolong his lifespan because he was an old man in his introduction, and we are hitting the uh, actually we've just hit the 60th anniversary of his character being about here. So he's been around. A very long time for an old man, without much of a good reason for why. Uh, Every once in a while, he does find a way to make himself young via biochemistry, magical science, comic book science BS. Uh, But those effects hardly last very long, or they're reversed fairly quickly. Uh, Currently, he is trying to take care of his granddaughter, uh, Tiana, uh, while still being the vulture.
0: I'm sure that's going great for. <laughs> uh,
1: not, not really. Uh, she has managed to make her own suit, and she's going around calling h- herself Starling. And she has uh, crossed paths with uh, Miles, and they're starting. She's starting to figure out that uh, her grandfather isn't quite as a uh, noble of a guy as as she's kind of built him, built him up in her head, as it were. All right, lastly, here is the biggest change character overall.
0: Welcome to the Alexander Pierce effect.
1: Yeah. Uh we have Ned Leeds introduced in Amazing Spider-Man number 18 in November 1964 by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. He is for the movie he is the another member of the Alexander Pierce effect uh as our comic book leads is a reporter for the daily bugle um, and he eventually goes on to marry betty brant he is also the hop goblin uh though that was retcon that he had was captured by the original and and hypnotized and used as a stand-in and he perished in the one-shot spider-man versus wolverine by then editor jim owsley aka our one and only christopher priest And an event so secret that the other members of his editorial Spider-Man team, you know, the writers and everyone, they didn't know he was going to be killed off until they had the issue printed in hand, which they they did not like. Several of them felt they were pretty screwed over by Priest, and that may have contributed to his departure from Marvel in the late 80s.
0: They killed him off because Ned doesn't have an alliterative name like everyone else in the Spider-Man universe. Uh I
1: mean, yeah, it's unclear as to why he was really killed off. Um, But poor Ned, he just didn't. He's a reporter, but we already have reporter characters and he's married to Betty. Well, you know how Marvel doesn't like their mar- married characters. So you got to do something or kill one of them off or something.
0: But they took a character who was not who they were in the film, gave him a bunch of traits from probably other characters within the universe and said, here you go. Here's Ned.
1: Yeah, so obviously, what Ned in the MCU represents is the Harry Osborne. He's the best friend, but as we have just done two Osborne heavy—I'm not going to call both of them trilogies—but Osborne heavy arcs, and they probably couldn't get the rights for some reason between them and Sony and and all that. So they had to leave Osborne oh, off. They just couldn't mess with him.
0: And I think he was a perfectly fine stand-in. I enjoyed his chemistry with... I enjoyed Jacob Batalon and Tom Holland's chemistry, and they brought that over to the characters. And I think another notable mention as far as that goes, it's got to go to Tom Holland and Zendaya. I think I put them even just a little bit above Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. Yes.
1: Um, And we get way more Holland and Zendaya in the next one, which we will talk much later, but uh like Holland's chemistry with everybody was just phenomenal. Um all around the chemistry amongst the entire cast here was really good. I mean Keaton's chemistry with his crew and you can you know feeling the tension with the the one upstart Bryce and how he just kinda does whatever he wants however he wants because well I'm on a supervillain team. If I uh if you fire me boss uh Yes, uh, I guess I guess I can get a sweet prison deal for turning you in. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, dead. Um, just and all the other characters as well. It's just it came together so well. That's one of the reasons why it's so well liked, even even with its, uh, its some of the uh, more contrived writing aspects of the movie itself.
0: Yeah, I mean if if contrivances are my only grievance with this film. There are worse places to be when you're in the MCU, and that's that's for certain. I liked this one. I enjoyed the casting, I enjoyed the script, and I was happy to see them bringing Spidey into the fold, at least for a little while.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, and that, that is it for for my stuff here. Um, So, uh, do you have any final thoughts?
0: That's all I have for this week. Where are we heading next time?
1: We are sticking with the bug people, and we're going to pick up Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp next week as uh, we start moving into the tail end of Phase 3.
0: Very exciting. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah. Alright, well, have a great night, everyone. We'll catch you next week. Night, everyone. As we all know, when it comes to making a movie, there are a lot of people working behind the scenes to make that movie magic happen. And it is no different when making a podcast. Welcome to the credit section of the MCU Lorecast. Captain Shanko and I would like to personally thank the following for their incredibly hard work and faith in us to get this podcast rolling Tom, the head of the Robots Radio Network, for hosting and mentoring, In7 Legend of the Mass Effect Lorecast for inspiration, Genesis and Vervada of the Two Girls One Ship podcast for introducing us, Let's Not, a fellow tabletop gamer and friend for the amazing artwork, Pipe Men, a veteran and friend for the outstanding music, our significant others for believing in and supporting us through this, and you, our fans, without whom this would be a vanity project. Let us know how we're doing by leaving us a review on Apple or a rating on Spotify. And, to quote "Stand the Man, enough said. Hi, I'm Aaron.
0: And I'm Ariel.
1: And we're the hosts of the Legend of Zelda Lorecast, a podcast about all things Legend of Zelda. From Errol to Zora.
0: And all the fun things in between.
1: If you're ready to dive deep and learn more about the Legend of Zelda lore and everything surrounding it, come join us on Legend of Zelda Lorecast. You can find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, and wherever else you get your podcasts.
0: We hope to see you soon.